So if you've been paying attention to my channel, you know that from time to time I talk about these buy a business with no money gurus and their courses that they promote online. Today, we've got a very special interview with someone who's actually had a legal tango with one of these people. And we're going to see what sort of things have been revealed through all the research and discovery that went into the defense in this defamation case. All that and more. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great interview. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. Hey everyone, I, so let me tell you what happened is, is a couple weeks ago, I was busy online opening up my email and I got this notification from LinkedIn that I had been tagged in an article that had just been put up. And it was put up by a good friend of uh, of this show, Clinton Lee, who's been on here before. And Clinton is in the UK and he works in the M&A field and he basically works with mid-market businesses, helping people arrange financing, helping people that own these businesses find the right brokerage house in order to help sell them. And so and this article came out, or, or Clinton rather made a post, and talking about something that he's been discussing for quite some time, which is the fact that he got sued by, by a business online guru, Jonathan Jay, and decided that he needed to fight the lawsuit himself. And so when I read the post that kind of talked about all of the things that would happen that had happened in the case and how the case came to a resolu resolution. I thought, oh my God, I need to get Clinton on to talk with him for a little bit and get behind the scenes about what led him to create the allegations online that led to Jonathan wanting to sue him to try to silence him, what Jonathan demanded from him and why Clinton just couldn't deliver and the result through his building his defense, you know, what what Clinton got ready for to go to court, what he was ready to present and what ended up happening once all of that information started to spill over into the other side. It is a fantastic interview. Stay tuned. It's all starting right now. All right, Clinton, thanks for joining me. Um, I've already been speaking a little bit about the recent LinkedIn posts that you've made. I have a couple of questions that I wanted to clarify with you. Uh, the first of which is what got all of this started between you and Jonathan Jay? What was the allegation that got him upset and led to him eventually filing against you in court? Okay, it was all based around this article I wrote. I did a review of several people who were selling these courses. Um, and in there, uh, quite the you know halfway down, there was a review of Jonathan J. And these are specifically courses that anyone can learn how to buy a business with no money. That's right. So you know all the the, the big names, your Guy Bartlett, Carl Allen, 
uh, Jeremy Harper, all of these people were there. Um, and Jonathan Jay, he was, I think, what, eight, eighth or tenth down the list. And in there, I had uh, basically exposed that the man didn't have the MA background that he claimed uh, he had. For most of his life, he, he started off as a stage musician and a hypnotist. He was a hypnotist. Um, and then he went into other PR stuff and he ran a marketing company. And he had won many awards for marketing. He was very good at marketing. He had a lot of YouTube videos on in marketing. All his LinkedIn uh, skills that people endorse you for, they were all based around marketing, right mm. up to the point where he decided to uh, to start this business, this coaching business. And so I exposed that he had erased his internet history and marketing. He had removed all his marketing videos in YouTube. He had changed his LinkedIn profile. He bought a company or took over a company that was not uh, actually operational, you know, a company registered a long time ago, and he changed the name to the Dealmakers Academy. So the idea is he wanted to give the impression it was it had been running for much longer than it had actually been running. Okay, so so the company had effectively ceased operations but was still making its annual filings for whatever right, reason. Right. He acquired that corporation so he could claim the original start date okay that's right so it was a dormant business he took it over and he changed the name he changed the name to the dealmakers academy so if anyone goes to company's house now you will see a company that has existed for i think 15 or 20 years and company's house is an online registry in the uk where you can basically look up the the corporate uh creation data, the directors the uh, official right. address of any company in the uk and the accounts yes Yes. So I exposed that he had revised his history. In fact, I even looked at his LinkedIn profile, picked out bits that he had exaggerated and embellished uh, and and exposed that as well in my article. So it was all factual. And it was all stuff that people could go and verify. You could actually go and verify things that I claimed. However, he got offended by that. He wanted me to take it down uh, and I refused. So that's what started. Okay. And so then his response to your refusal was to engage a lawyer and then and sue you. Yeah. And so what was he asking in uh, in the lawsuit to resolve the problem? Ah, so this is the tricky bit. He wanted me to remove the article, not just the section covering him, remove the entire article, uh, to issue an apology, to pay him damages, and then to claim publicly that I was wrong. In effect, he wanted me to endorse him and say that he is, in fact, the MA expert that he claims to be. And that whatever I said about him was false. And he wanted me to retract that. Okay. And so you saw that request. Basically, he wanted you to create an endorsement supporting what he was doing. You saw that as just something that you would never be able to agree to. And this is what prompted you to, to fight back against it. Yes. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, I'd have to ditch all my values, all my beliefs, and I had to, I'd have to basically uh, endorse someone who, who I believed was a con man. And so, you know, you are not even a part of this market. I mean, you are not teaching people how to buy businesses. You're no. not working on main street deals. No. You're not helping buyers buy, you know, failing companies or anything like this. You work strictly with businesses 
uh, that have an enterprise value in excess of 5 million pounds. Is that correct? That's right. And I don't even sell those businesses. I don't take them to market. I just um, work as an advisor. They pay me by the hour and I give them advice, uh, advice on regulatory matters, on uh, their valuations and things like that. So just I'm just basically an advisor. So I'm not in competition with him in any way. However, I deal with a lot of investment banks, corporate finance firms, et cetera, in the UK. So when a client of mine wants to go to market, I speak with various corporate finance firms and try to find them the right firm. So they engage me to do that for them. And the feedback I get from all these corporate finance firms, these business, higher end business brokers, if you like, M&A advisory firms, the feedback I get from all of them is that people like Jonathan have created a huge problem in the market because now there are thousands of people who graduated from his course and courses like his who are out there pretending to be genuine buyers, trying to buy businesses. Um, and for that reason alone, I would think people shouldn't sign up with these courses because there's so much of competition out there. I mean, if you're looking to buy a proper business and invest your money, fine. But if you're looking to get something on the cheap, something for free, there are tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people out there just in the UK trying to do that. People who have gone through these courses, spent 10 grand a course, they're now reluctant to accept that they actually wasted their money. They're still out there frantically looking for a business to buy that which doesn't involve any investment. And I can tell you from the people that I speak to and observing the behavior of business brokers over in North America, that this same element that is operating globally is having the same impact over here. Brokers are becoming more guarded. They're not as open to sharing information. They're demanding that buyers jump through various hoops because they're they're learning that there's just this huge crowd of people out there mm. pretending mm. and acting who don't have money, don't have access mm. to money, et cetera. You've prepared a website about strategies on how sellers uh, and brokers can deal with people that have gone through this program. I'm going to link to that in, in the show notes, of course. But um, I, I want to talk a little bit about further to Jonathan Jay. Over the last couple of years, he actually tried to demonstrate publicly that he was uh, a knowledgeable person by enacting his strategies. And he did that through uh, trying to accomplish a roll-up in the daycare space. And, and, and this is interesting because right as the lawsuit was progressing, there were some major news items that came out about his, his daycare roll-up. Do you want to give us a little bit about the history of what he was doing and what ended up happening? Yes. Yeah, so when the lawsuit started, he had already acquired, uh, within the space of two or three months, acquired about 10 nurseries. And there would have probably been nurseries bought on on uh, one pound terms, you know, without any advance fee or, or on 100% deferred payments. Um, but he's a very persuasive guy. Like I said, he's a very good marketer. He's very good at persuading people. So it's quite likely he persuaded people to sell him their businesses and he assured them that their money was safe. Perhaps he gave them guarantees. He gave them um, stories about his background and how much of wealth he had behind him, et cetera, impressed upon them that their money was safe. While the case, as the case was progressing, he made further acquisitions uh, and he made in excess of 40 acquisitions over that time. However, he is much better at persuading people to part with things 
just like he persuades clients to part with £10,000. He's very good at persuading people to part with things, but he's not that clever a businessman. He wasn't actually able to run these businesses, to, to, to put them into a cohesive group um, and actually make it, make it successful. Some of these nurseries were very successful nurseries. They were not basket cases. They were, I have spoken with the owners. Very successful nurseries, making a lot of profit. He took them all, bundled them all together, and he made the whole group insolvent. So the whole group went insolvent within the space of, I think, about a year and a half. The thing is, there were warning signs all along. And while the case was progressing, I did make posts in LinkedIn uh, saying what I saw in company's house. The accounts are filed in company's house, you know, all the various warning signs. There were various landlords who had uh, blocked him from their properties because he hadn't paid the lease. Um, all these things were building up in the background. And I could see that the financial problems were building up in the background. However, he was still pre pretending to the market. He was still selling his courses and he was still using this as an example of how uh, you too can do this. You can buy and build and you don't need any money. And look at how many nurseries are bought with no money at all. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, we've already hit the point where he did, the, the, the company ended up uh, declaring bankruptcy or, or falling under administration. Uh, That's so, right. uh, and some of the locations, uh, I gather you sent me a news article from an industry publication from the, from the daycare industry, uh, where it described that some of the locations had been acquired by other operators, but a good many of them had just ended up closing and the employees were, were let go. They lost their jobs. And then of course the families that were relying on that service uh, were, were also affected. Yeah. A lot of people were affected in a very, very bad way. People lost their life savings, many of them, you know, um, but at the, the government lost a million pounds, the tax revenue loss of a million pounds. Um, but here's the interesting thing. When the shit was about to hit the fan, He left the business, he exited the business by giving his shares to his other shareholder. This lady who held like about five, 10% of the uh, shares in the business, he gave all his shares to her, he left, and then there was an article that was published in a nursery magazine in the UK, a magazine that covers that sector, um, claiming that he exited in a 25 million pound, an estimated 25 million pound exit. They gave the impression that he sold the shares for 25 million pounds. And Jonathan was linking to this article in his LinkedIn posts, etc. Basically, this is a third party. He was very modest. He said, I didn't quite make 25 million. Giving the impression it may not have been 25 million. I'm an honest guy. I didn't quite make 25 million. Except, of course, he got absolutely nothing out of it. And so, we discovered so this. Just to be clear for everyone who's tuned in, if I have, I could create a new corporation today, take the shares with, you know, an initial par value of a penny a piece, and I could, I could transfer them to you, Clinton. And if you sign a note saying you agree to pay me 25 million pounds at some point in the future, I can then claim that I sold those shares for 25 million pounds. So yes, but th there could that... very well be some document that. No. There is so even that so, didn't so, you, you, so this is this how I know. Happen. No, because the administrator, because within within a few days of Jonathan uh, selling his shares for twenty five million, the company went insolvent, and they appointed an administrator, 
and the administrator published a report a few weeks later to say that Jonathan gave his shares away for nothing. He got nothing out of it. He lost okay. his entire, whatever money he had invested in the business, he had lost that, um, and he got nothing when he left. So this is this is another documented example of where something he has claimed has turned out not to be supported with actual information. Yeah, but he's very clever. He can say, I never actually claimed it. I linked to an article in the nursery press. I never claimed that I got 25 million. Ah, okay. They yeah. said it. They said it, exactly. And and they they quote an unnamed source. So Now, I have so my what... suspicions about who the source was, who gave them their information. But they're not going to disclose who it was. And I suspect it was Jonathan who told them I got, I got 25 million out of the deal. But so don't mention I... my name. You see, I made a video about a year ago where, where I was analyzing someone else's video about a laundromat deal. And one of the things I pointed out in my analysis is that there's video clips in this other person's video that show them in a laundromat. But I said, let's quickly look at the numbers. Obviously, the deal that's being discussed is not that particular laundromat. What What is happening is B-roll footage is being put in here to make things look and feel differently. And And so what... I think is important for people to get across is that, you know, you have to be very critical of every single word people are saying, because people are very careful about how they manipulate things in, in your research, you know, part of his allegation against you when he sued you was that he was an expert because of all these positive things being said online. You actually did some research to demonstrate for oh, the yes. court. you prepared this as evidence how these different online forms were being manipulated. One of them uh, was Reddit. Can you talk a little bit about the analysis you did on Reddit? Because you actually demonstrated that the negative reviews of his work on Reddit were more likely credible because of the history of those users, where the positive uh, comments were very obviously from newly created accounts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so he was arguing credibility in his documents to court. He was claiming to be a, a well-respected, highly experienced, very honest and decent businessman. Um, and of course, my position was that he's not. Um, so one of the, and I know that he has taken down a lot of articles. He has served a lot of other people with not with court orders. Um, he has even Jeremy Harbour, by the way. Jeremy Harbour had on his website a testimonial that. Jonathan Jay did for him because Jonathan Jay attended the Jeremy Harbour course. And once Jonathan Jay started his own course, he didn't like the fact that Jeremy Harbour had this testimonial on his side. He took Jeremy Harbour to court. Right? And Jeremy Harbour, wealthy man that right. he is. Because if he, was, because if he was a 15-year expert in the M&A space, what's he doing taking a course from another one of these guys? He did it three times. He did the Jeremy Harbour course three times. And I have a statement from Jeremy Harbour to that effect. I'm sure he took very careful notes. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Uh, but then when he did a testimonial, he, when he did a testimonial for Jeremy Harbour, he didn't, I think at that point, expect that he'd be starting in competition to, to Harbour. Right. And then later on, when he did start up in competition and he started running his own courses, this was an embarrassment this testimonial that he did for Jeremy Harbour because it gives away that he attended the Jeremy Harbour course. And Jeremy Harbour was claiming, this is just one of my students. 
So he wanted that taken down. And he served harbor notice and he um, threatened to take him to, to court and actually went, did go to court. In the end, um, they reached a, a negotiated settlement and Harbert took the article down, took the testimonial down. Um, I was a, I was a bit surprised by that because Harbert is he's been running for a long time. He's got a lot of money. He can afford to fight a court case. Um, how did Jay intimidate him into taking that down? I don't know, but Harbert took it down eventually. But I've got well, a copy. So okay. before it got taken down, I copy. So, you know, what at the end of the day, you know, the whole idea of defending yourself in court and having to go and having to drum up evidence and prepare everything. I mean, this is a gigantic task. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it took, took up a lot of my what, time. Yep. What was the resolution? You didn't end up actually getting into court, did you? No, no, no. But uh, before I come to that, let me just answer your question about the analysis of the Reddit. So, okay. yeah, Jonathan took down a lot of articles. He gave served lots of people notices. He took down a lot of stuff. Uh, but there's some things that he can't take down. Reddit is not one of those platforms where you can get something taken down. So there was this thread on Reddit. And uh, various people had commented, some detailed comments about pe from people who had actually attended his course. And they were scathing in their criticism. Uh, about, I think, probably about 90% of the comments. It's a very long thread. Lots of people participated. 90% of the comments were very, very critical of Jonathan. But there was a small number, about 10%, that said, no, actually, I found it useful and I would recommend it. So I thought, for the purposes of the court, I'm trying to, to, to demonstrate that this man is not all he seems to be. So I took this thread and I analyzed all the people behind it. Uh, and I did the same thing with his Amazon reviews and other reviews on other locations. So in the Reddit thread, I discovered that the people who gave these caring reviews, these long critical reviews, were people who had been members for many, many years. They'd been members in Reddit for years. They had thousands, tens of thousands of posts uh, and karma behind them. But the people so, who had so given... for people that aren't familiar with Reddit, every time you respond or create a post or interact with other people, you're awarded these little karma points, and it helps to demonstrate the the longevity or the quality of your conversation or opinions, right? Just it you can tell someone with a lot of karma has been is someone who is a is an old school member that's been around for a long and time and is respected. He's res other people yeah. respect him enough to give him those points because you can thumb up people's comments and and mm -hmm. okay yes all right yeah so yeah so I, I discovered that the people who had given him positive comments uh they were either banned since they made the comment or they they had no no karma they had no other posts anywhere else or very few posts anywhere else it looked like they created the account just to make that positive comment about jonathan J. right and i put that in a spreadsheet and i prepared that yes uh for the court and, you know, one of the things that I've oh. noticed is is that, you know, I I have I call uh, the people who've taken some of these programs, I call them zero down refugees, because what what I have personally witnessed through probably over 100 conversations with these individuals is that they'll get caught up in the excitement. They'll pay the big money for the program. They'll learn these techniques. Then they'll actually go out there thinking that what they've been taught is going to work. They'll go out there, they'll find the deals, 
and they'll look to their support network through the program and they'll ask questions. And as they get further and further along this process, when it starts to become more and more real and they have to put the pieces together and start to demonstrate funds or, or, or whatnot or arrange financing, is they'll start to ask more and more detailed, more and more specific questions. And they reach this point where all of a sudden the support vanishes. And, and then they go looking for other sources of information. And this is how I meet these people. Because they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, David, um, I'm trying to put this deal together, my closings in three weeks, and I still have to arrange the financing. Can you help me with this or that? And I'll be like, well, you can't get a bank loan because you'll have an insufficient debt to equity ratio. And they're like, what does that mean? What's that? Right? Yes, exactly. Right? And they, and they just, the, the, the so many of the actual real basics of how you do this are just absent yeah. from their understanding. And it's at that point they realize, oh my goodness. I spent yeah. all that money and I've invested yeah. a year of my time and I've invested all this other effort and time to do this thing. And that's when they start to realize it's not a the, doable the, thing. Yeah, the cost of servicing the debt is very conveniently left out of the picture. Well, but but it's, it's not just that. When I then ask these people, would you like to come on my YouTube channel to talk about your experience? I've only succeeded in getting one to say yes. Yes, yes. Because and, they, are, they, are, they are terrified. They, first of all, they don't want to to look stupid, that they've lost a lot of money, they invested money, in the, it, it makes them look a bit silly. But also, they do know that uh, they they probably signed uh, um, a contract saying that they wouldn't criticize the course. Hmm. Yeah. I and mean, I know you've been you asked to test, and they've been asked for a testimonial as soon as yeah. the training is done, yeah. not after yeah. they've had a chance to implement it. That's right. I mean, I know you asked this question about how the court case progress. I'll come to that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, but while we are here. It's not just uh, the the raising of the funds, the debt to equity ratio, but also servicing the debt. And they haven't thought about all these things. I'm taking on so much of debt to buy this business. Uh, I'm going to have to pay that back, not just the interest. I'm going to have to pay the installments every month to pay the principal back. And I need to have enough cash flow to be able to do that. One of Jonathan's early emails, and I'm not kidding you, one of Jonathan's early emails, marketing emails said, Join my course. I'll teach you how to buy a business that will pay you £10,000 a month. As the owner, you can charge them a consultancy fee of £10,000 a month. And you buy six businesses in the next six months. So six months from now, you will be earning £60,000 a month. And you would have invested nothing. Yeah. I've got that email. I still got that email. That was one of his early emails. And so to your point, the people that are drawn to this are people potentially who have some kind of money or income problem. And they're saying, oh, here's a way that I can solve this problem. Yeah. So you've got you've got them. You do have people who are already in business who are looking to expand because they do target that market. An easy way to grow your business. Organic growth is difficult. This is the easiest way to grow. So they do target that market as well. People who own small businesses, but who are perhaps stuck they're not able to grow their business any further. And this is sort of an avenue for them. They think, oh, wow, I never considered that. Uh, I always thought acquisitions would involve a lot of money, and I didn't consider that because I didn't have money. But if I can make acquisitions without investing anything and grow my business, that seems like the easiest way to do this. So yeah, I'll come up with the 10 grand. I'll go for this course. And then I'll grow my business. I mean, I'll, I'll make millions more. This 10,000 pounds is a fantastic investment. 
So it, it, to me, one of the, I mean, I try to get things back to very basic first principles in my conversations or my thinking all the time. I always try to say, wait, wait, let's start from scratch here. And so one of the things that I, that I have said before is that if it, if there were these techniques that allowed you to buy successful, profitable businesses using none of your own money, then is it the lay person on the street who's never heard of it before that's going to be executing this successfully? Or is it your big Wall Street, you know, finance guy who's going to be pulling it off, right? And I remember one day, I, I have a good friend who's retired from banking. He was in commercial banking for a long time. And he had this great comment that he used to say, and he repeated it many times over the years, is he used to say, um, I work at the bank. We actually have all the money. If businesses were easy, we would just buy them all. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, of course, right? But yeah. but even the bankers know that they can't buy the businesses because the the part that makes it all work is the execution. It's the it's the management and the leadership and the foresight and the guidance. There's a lot of complex stuff in there. And and one of the emails that you had sent to me as part of your the evidence that you had collected was an email that he had mailed out to subscribers where he said that turning around a failing business was as simple as not doing the things that don't work. And I just, <laughs> I thought that that was incredible because I'm like, you're talking about buying a business from an experienced operator who has time in the trenches and years of experience in that industry. How are you as a stranger going to instantly know what the things that they are doing that are not working? You know, well, you, you must would. have seen a ton of stuff like this. No, because they would, because you're flattered. You're told, listen, you're a smart guy. You're an intelligent guy. Uh, you've done this, this, and this. You may not have run a business before, but you've got experience in life. And you can bring new ideas and fresh ideas to this business, and you can make it successful. Do you think, do, do you think you're a smart guy? Do you have mm -hmm. ideas? They would, pep, they would pump you up. They would make you feel good about yourself. And yes, I can do this. I'm not an idiot. I'm an educated man. I've managed to put 10,000 pounds together for this course. So it means I'm, I'm, I'm somebody. Yeah. And I can do this. I can take this business over. Um, it's not being run very well. That guy doesn't know what he's doing. He may have run it for 20 years, but I can do a better job. And they actually go and then think that, yes, they can. And so it really is this long sale of psyching someone up and getting them really mm -hmm. excited and I guess the, the whole key to the thing is the momentum. Um, in your opinion, do you think that this phenomenon is running its course? Do you think there's enough people out there who have taken this type of thing and, and are not having success that word is getting out? Or, or do you think that people should be like sharing and liking this video so that people hear that it's just likely not going to have a good outcome? If you if you yeah, enroll I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised at how many people actually do fall for this. And it's a testament to how clever these people are at marketing. Mm. Um, and there are more and more the reason why there are more and more entrants to this field. I mean, you you brought one or two to my attention, and I know you know at least a couple of dozen of them, people who are operating these courses, and there seem to be new ones joining every day. Um yeah. So there's no shortage of uh, clients. There's no shortage of people who are willing to spend a lot of money. Some of these courses are only $500. Some of them are 5,000. Some of them are 10,000. Um, they're usually not, not 5,000, but 4,997 or whatever. But there doesn't seem to be any shortage 
There doesn't seem to be any shortage of mugs who are falling for this. Intelligent people, educated people, people who've run businesses before, people with a lot of experience behind them are still falling for this. And this is what amazes me, absolutely amazes me. So I think, yes, the more attention this gets, the more likes your video gets. Uh, I, I'm hoping it will reach more people. And don't take my word for it. Don't take your word for it. Do the investigation. Be cynical. Go and check things out and check them out properly. Well, well, I'm certainly going to put a link to uh, to the, the most recent post about the case that you shared on LinkedIn, so people can go check that. Even if they're not members or active on LinkedIn, they'll be able to go and read it for themselves. And I'll put a link to the website that you've put up about how brokers and sellers can deal with the one pound Charlies uh, as you... Are you the person who coined the phrase? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a few tips I put together. I mean, we'll come to the case in a second, and I'll just give you a summary on what's happened there. But yeah, I put an article together with ten pieces of advice that I've picked out from one one pound Charlie Jonathan Jay's course, or rather his podcasts. And this is not information that I've made out; it's information that's in his public podcasts. And I've even provided the podcast numbers there, so people can go and verify it for themselves. I haven't made this this stuff up. The kind of advice he gives, the kind of dodgy, sneaky, underhand, illegal advice he gives, I picked out 10 of those and I posted an article with explaining those 10 and explaining what you can do to protect yourself against those. Uh, but of course, I mean, that's just 10. You know, They've got 100 more. Uh, I just picked those 10 out as an example. Okay. And I'm going to link to that page. So, So back to the court case. He, he sued you, you amassed your information to defend yourself with evidence. You sent that, you sent it to the court and to them, I guess. What happened then? Oh, yes. So, yes. Yeah. So what, what happens is um, I didn't send it to the court. Uh, I did disclose to him. So he sued me, used one of the, uh, the biggest name lawyers in the world, not just in the UK, a firm called Carter Rock. Uh, they're the biggest, biggest names in defamation. And they protect a lot of, they have in the past protected a lot of rich Russian businessmen and people like that. Um, right. Of late, they, they haven't because of sanctions and whatever. But in the past, that's the kind of uh, client they typically have, billionaires, right? So he used Carter Ruck. And um, I thought, I'm going to do this myself. Probably stupid. I'm probably being stupid. But... I put a lot more attention and detail into it than if, if I had a lawyer. And I did speak to one or two lawyers and I thought, no, I'm going to do it myself. So I did. And it, it lasted about uh, 15 to 18 months. It's dragged down, dragged on for a long time. There were a lot of uh, documents back and forth. There were hearings in the court, a costs hearing, a case management hearing. They put in applications on all kinds of stuff. We dispute his defense. We want his defense revised. And then I revised it and they put in another application. So there was a lot of stuff back and forth. And he ended up spending about 150,000 pounds on lawyers, just on lawyers uh, over the course of this time. And, and I was just fighting it myself, but it became a full-time affair. Uh, his lawyers are very clever people. They were inundating me with work, uh, requests for information, RFIs and applications to court that I had to, to reply to and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was uh, a lot of work, but I also had uh, the help of many kind people in LinkedIn and elsewhere who had been on the course, who had realized what rubbish it was, who offered to to write me uh, witness statements. P 
people in the industry, I knew a lot of corporate finance firms, a lot of people, very senior people in corporate finance and investment banking. Many of them offered to write me, uh, not not to, 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 to say what a good guy I am, because I'm not really the issue here. The issue is the advice that's being given to the market and the kinds of things that Jonathan Jay says in public. And they were willing to give me statements to say that's a lot of crap. That's not how things really work in the real. I mean, we're talking big firms like you know Grant Thornton and PwC and people like that. Uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so what I had to do was put together the evidence. So I collected. I spoke to all these people, very kind people, um, who offered to write me statements, uh, but also my own analysis of things like his uh, Amazon account, etc. Um, I put together over a thousand documents, and it was a, a huge process. I disclosed a lot of those documents to his lawyer to say, I've got this, this, and this, and I'm not backing down. I am quite happy to go to court. I'd love to go to trial now that I've discovered all of this. And during that, during that time, his welcome nurseries went bust. Right. And I got further information. Of course, a lot of people were unhappy. A lot of people who lost money were all queuing up to talk to me and give me information. People who... Uh, can I share this? Yes, actually, people who were married to uh, his partner and people in the organization, but who had somehow, you know, they're divorced or they're separated or they were at loggerheads, they were feeding me information. I had accountancy information coming in. I had all kinds of very, very valuable information coming in. Um, I knew what happened with the prepack, the insolvency, you know, they, it was sold to another company. It was prepacked and sold. So I don't know, you, you probably, your readers probably know about prepack process, but the prepack uh, is basically when a company is insolvent, it's sort of packaged together and sold on the cheap. Right. They're, they're trying to get whatever value they can out of the assets in order to have something to distribute to the creditors. Yeah. So it was sold in a prepack for a very small amount of money to a firm called Hob. So I was getting information on that deal and what actually happened in there and background information, including some very dodgy stuff that happened there. So I was getting information from all over the place and I put it all together um, and I sent him some of it. And I said, this is just part of my evidence. This is what I've been uh, accumulating. And then he issued a discontinuation. He went to court and he asked the high court to, to drop the case. Um, I tried to fight that because I did want it to go to trial. You know, I uh, I applied for it to be continued, you know, for the discontinuation to be set aside. But I failed in that. The court, they're they are overloaded. They've got, uh, you know, a lot of cases to deal with. And they just said, well, listen, if the guy wants it closed, let's close it. So it, the case was closed. But of course, now he owes me costs. Yeah. And, and while you haven't had this kind of tango with other people, the, obviously the template is there. I mean, people can, can draw conclusions about other stuff that they're going to run into online as well. The, the, the modus operandi is the same. And all of these people, your Jonathan Jay, uh, Carl Allen, Guy Bartlett, you know, many of them, uh, it's the same sort of uh, pitch. Some of them are a little bit less uh, aggressive than others. So Jeremy Harbour, Guy Bartlett, perhaps are not as aggressive on the one pound thing that you can buy a business very easily for one pound. They're not as aggressive as Jonathan Jay on that. But listen, it just varies slightly between all of these people. All of them are trying to persuade you. You can become rich very quickly, uh, even if you're not particularly wealthy. 
or capable or talented or have any specific skill. We can teach you. We, all you need is what we can deliver to you in this course. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Clinton, for taking the time to to talk with me today because I know this is a message that's got to get out and you're very big on LinkedIn and uh, hopefully that by putting this on YouTube we can and, and podcasting, we can try to spread it beyond into, into other different areas I so hope that you the do people... It people can get the message before they make these big investments. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and, and you, I, you have a good, uh, you know, you, you have a wide reach on platforms like YouTube, et cetera, which I don't. Um, and I make absolutely nothing from this reaching the public. It doesn't yeah. affect my business in any way, shape or form. Uh, I do this purely because it'll help people who've lost money. I know so many people who've lost money. I know people who've killed themselves. I know people who've lost their life savings. Uh, marriages have fallen apart because of you know what's happened in this industry. So if I can prevent some of that happening, uh, then absolutely brilliant. And you are helping me with this. So if we can get this message to a lot of people and ask them to spread the message, basically, simple message, anyone teaching you a method of becoming rich very easily is probably a con man. Start off with that assumption and then go and investigate them a bit further. Yeah, I would agree. If it's if it sounds too good to be true, uh, it likely is. I, I I don't even know where that quote came from, but it's something I've heard my whole life. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Clinton. And um, you're welcome, David. And everyone out there listening, please help share the word. Hit the like. Share it onto other platforms that you're a member of. Put it onto Facebook and Twitter and you know everything yeah. else. And uh, and let's get the word out. Can I add one last piece of advice? Sure. If you really want to know about businesses, about buying businesses, um, buy a good book or two. There are lots of good books on Amazon. Spend $100. Find those books. I, I recommend your course. And you've never paid me any commission. We've never had any discussion about commission. I haven't recommended your course on my website and elsewhere because it is genuine stuff. It is from a guy who knows what he's talking about. So find people who know what they're talking about, who've got a background you can verify. And be very cynical when you're going through their material. Check it and double check it. Does it make sense? Run it by your accountant. Does this make sense? Does this add up? If you want to find out about buying businesses, you know, absolutely, I would encourage you. Do that research. But do not sign up for these courses and do not go for their free webinars, which is basically a sales pitch to get you into the course. Avoid these characters. Plenty of names around. Uh, on my website and then perhaps uh, in the comments here to this YouTube video. Go and investigate these people. Avoid them. There are plenty of other ways to learn how to buy businesses. Yeah. And 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 the difficulty is that one of the greatest ways to learn about business, obviously, is to roll up your sleeves and, and do work in other people's businesses. Well, learn right. while you're on the payroll. Develop yourself. And it's quite honestly a path that takes years. And, and if you've um, never run a business before, don't throw your life savings into buying a business and taking it over and assuming that you can fix uh, whatever's wrong in that business. Get yourself some experience, not in, not just in working in a business, but running a business before you decide to own one. Yeah, I think that's those are great words of wisdom, Clinton. So for those of you who are curious that want to follow up on some of the things we've been talking about in that conversation, 
what I did is I, I added a bunch of links down below. So again, uh, I'm going to put a link here to Clinton's post. And then from that, he's got links to uh, various hashtags and to other articles and posts that were involved uh, prior to this one. Because again, this thing has been dragging on for over a year um, in preparation for a court case. Uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more, I mentioned that I've done some my, of my own stuff about um, the realities of buying imps with no money. Uh, if you head to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com, um, there is a tab buy a business with no money. And um, if you're looking on your mobile phone, uh, it becomes a little drop down menu if you touch the, the sort of three lines. Uh, go to the buy a business with no money tab. I've got a whole write up here about the claims and different things that I've seen people uh, share with me over the years. And starting in 2016, I started to create videos that explained uh, why buying a business with no money uh, is extremely difficult, if not next to impossible for anyone to pull off, uh, even seasoned, experienced business people. And, the, and then I, I got into what it actually looks like. So, for example, there's there's articles here disproving how you can use equipment to uh, equipment financing, for example, to, to fund uh, your acquisition in the way that these gurus explain. Um, I also have analysis of real no money down deals that you can take a look at. Um, I mentioned uh, that I have met one person who was willing to come on and talk about his own experiences with some of these zero down gurus. And that video is here uh, Buy a business with no money, zero down guru exposed. You can watch that interview with a gentleman from Texas, a smart guy, not a, just like Clinton said in the interview, a really smart guy who was encouraged to believe that he was going to be able to pull this off because he's an intelligent guy. Um, Questions about you know whether people should pursue this idea of buying a business with no money instead of getting a job. I addressed that in the video. Um, more videos. Here's one about laundromats that I alluded to in my conversation with Clinton. And so check out that site, uh, that page. Again, all this information is free. Um, and it'll help to show you logically why some of these claims and promises that you're being offered uh, just didn't re don't really hold much water. Um, again, I'll put a link down to below. This is uh, from that, the website that Clinton had mentioned. So this is for brokers and business sellers. And it talks about the ways that these people that take these programs are trained, the tactics that they try to employ. A lot of them really sneaky, underhanded stuff. Clinton went through, and this is content that he got from a publicly available podcast. And he talks about these different strategies and, and what small business owners can do to prepare themselves so they don't fall victim to some of these uh, some of these manipulations. Now, back over here in the main article, if we scroll down below, there's a, a pretty telling comment here from a guy named Mike Winnett, um, who says that he's had lots of comeback from work and and uh, they eventually do back down. It costs you time, money, focus, and other stuff. So glad you got a win here. So why is this comment from Mike Winnett important? Mike Winnett has a whole YouTube channel in which he discusses these online gurus that try to scam people out of their money. And there's a really great video that Mike put up four years ago, which I've linked to and alluded to many times. And it's called the Contrepreneur Formula Exposed. I'm going to put a link to that video down below as well in the show notes. But in this video, Mike explains the whole process, the methodology that is used and shared by some of these people to, to basically 
convince you that they know what they're talking about and that it makes sense for you to hand over thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to learn these methods um, to try to basically do one thing, which is to get something of incredible value, a profitable money-making business with none of your own money. And if you check, spend some time over on Mike's channel, he's got a whole series called Contrepreneur Bingo, where he talks about these different gurus in many different categories um, and sort of exposes them and runs through the checklist that he has discovered uh, that so many of these people follow. And it really is a formulaic playbook that they're learning from each other, as Clinton alluded to. Um, they're actually copying each other. And the fact that the internet provides them with the leverage to reach so many people. This is what uh, opens the door to people being taken advantage of is that people, these, these people who are doing this can reach far more people far more quickly than ever before, and they can get ahead of the news. And so this is really why I need your help is to share this video, like this video, help promote this video so that the messaging that people just need to to stop, pause and verify and look things up and talk with other experts that they've got access to, like CPAs, attorneys, et cetera, who can help them analyze these claims and what people are saying to really say, you know, does this make sense? It, should I be spending this kind of money? Is the the idea that me as someone who maybe has never entered the world of business before, is it really realistic for me to learn some of these things just by spending some money and have these out, outstanding results? Is, is it something that makes sense? And that's all I'm asking you to do today is just stop and think a little bit and help to share content like this with someone who could really use it before they make a mistake like some of the people that I've unfortunately had to meet so many times. And with that, I'll say thank you very much. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of the show. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe. If you are interested in learning about buying and selling small businesses, please subscribe to the channel. It's all I talk about here and I interview great people. And um, yeah, anyway, cheers. And uh, with that, I'll say I'll see you later. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy, go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest.